1: We're always tempted to work as hard as we can to please man. And we'll work just as much as we have to. Just as much as we have to. But God says, hey, ultimately, you're working for me. You're not working for that person who thinks they're in charge. You're working for me. Therefore, we should do it heartily. What does that mean? It means with a smile on your face. It means with joy in your heart. And God promises a reward for those who are faithful.
0: God is faithful and true to His Word, but are we? God faithfully kept all His promises to His people in the book of Joshua, and He keeps all His promises to us. He desires for us to be faithful, diligent, and reliable, too. In today's message, Pastor Dave will challenge us to allow God to change us and to make us more like Him. Well, let's join Pastor Dave in the book of Joshua, chapter 22, with part two of his message, On the Way Home.
1: What about our faithfulness to God? Are you faithful to Him first and foremost? Because if you are faithful to Him first and foremost, everything else will flow out of that. Every other thing that you're faithful in will flow out of that. Being faithful to the Lord should be the priority of our life as a victorious Christian. It should be the priority of what we live for. Are you faithful to the things the Lord has called you to do? Are you faithful to your brothers and your sisters? When you make a promise, do you keep it? When you say you're going to do something, is your yes, yes, and your no, no? Are you faithful to those things? Are you faithful to the leadership of a church? Are you faithfully serving? You know, in Colossians 3, Paul makes a statement about this. In Colossians 3, specifically 23 and 24, he says, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord, not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. We're always tempted to work as hard as we can to please man and we'll work just as much as we have to, just as much as we have to. But God says, hey ultimately you're working for me you're not working for that person who thinks they're in charge you're working for me therefore we should do it heartily what does that mean it means with a smile on your face it means with joy in your heart and god promises a reward for those who are faithful a reward now don't get crazy on me don't get crazy when we start running down the name it and claim it faith Thing. Yes, it may be materially, but most of all, it's going to be spiritually. The fruits of the Spirit, joy, love, peace, and all those fruits are going to come out of your lives. If you're faithful to the Lord, faithful in the little things, He'll make you faithful in much. I love that. Joshua reminds the tribes of the Lord's faithfulness. He says, And the Lord, your God, has given the rest to your brethren as he promised them. He reminds them that the Lord was faithful to your brethren. The picture here is, again, like we've been studying in Romans. If the Lord is faithful to your brethren, you make sure he's going to be faithful to you and us. See, we can always count on him. And then he exhorts them. I love this. In verse 5, he exhorts them and he encourages them. But take careful heed to do the commandment of the law which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, to love the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to keep his commandments, to hold him fast, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. And I really, really like this because Joshua was a great leader, and I've learned so much from him in the way he led his people. I learned so much for him. He had the people's spirituality priority. Priority. He was more worried about their spiritual well-being than he was their physical well-being. God is worried about your spiritual well-being. He's worried about how you are spiritually, how you're growing spiritually. Are you growing spiritually? If you're just whole humming it, oh, you know, okay. If you're here doing it and going through the motions, man, go home and watch American Idol. Idol. Lord knows your heart. We're going to talk about that in a minute. If you're here giving him lip service, fine, go ahead. You can fool me anytime you want, but you're not going to fool him. You're not going to fool the Lord. Pay careful attention to God's word. Have it in your mind. Take regard for it. And he's talking about knowing it and hearing it. He's talking about knowing it and hearing it. Pay attention to the word of God. Let it become part of your life. Let it become part of your life. It's such an important part, the Word of God. Pay attention to it. We should take care to hear the Word of God. Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. We take great pains to hear what God's saying. And then once we've heard the Word of God, then we give Him our love. And that's the order here. Word of God, love the Lord. I can't love the Lord until I know who He is, until I know that He loves me. And I know that there's a relationship there somewhere. And I want that relationship. The scripture tells us we love him because he first loved us. So now I can love him when I know about him. But how do I get to know him? In his word. By studying his word, by reading his word, and gleaning from his word. That's what he wants us to know. We give him our love. And after we experience this, we give everything we have back to him. I surrender. You're saying it today. I surrender all to you. Everything I am, I surrender to you, Lord. We do that. And then we have our walk. We have our walk. We walk in His ways. We walk in His ways, it says. Walking is very important. If you get it mixed up, if you love without hearing, it can become a heresy. And if you obey before loving, it can become legalism. You can really be in trouble there. Look at the order again. Word of God, love the Lord, walk in His ways, obey His commandments, and then, finally, we serve Him. We serve Him. Out of all of that comes service to the Lord. Now, many of us put service first. I want to serve the Lord. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do that. And that becomes works. It becomes a work. If you're not loving Him, if you're not reading His Word, if you're not obeying His commandments, then serving Him becomes a work. And and God doesn't look at that. Joshua says, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want you to do. Take careful heed to the Word of God. Love the Lord your God. Walk in His ways. Keep His commandments. Hold fast to Him. Serve Him with all your heart and with all your soul. Serve Him with everything you have. Don't serve the Lord halfway. Serve Him with everything you have. Don't hold back. Don't hold back from your service to the Lord. And then Joshua blesses them. I got a kick out of this. Joshua blessed them. Look at verse 6. So Joshua blessed them and sent them the way, and they went to their tents. I love this. How did Joshua bless them? I wonder what Joshua said. I wonder what Joshua said to them. I wonder how he blessed them. They knew that he couldn't bless them, for he was a man. He knew that he was a man, and his blessing upon him didn't mean very much. It didn't mean very much because it was coming from a man. So just maybe, just maybe Joshua used number 6. Just maybe Joshua used number 6 from verse 23 through 27. Let me read it to you. You don't have to turn there. Verses 22 through 27. Keep your ears open. You might have heard this before. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say the lamb, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and lift up, the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give to you his peace. That's what you want. That's what we want. We want the Lord's blessing. We move back to Joshua. We look in 7 and 8. Remember we said that God rewards those who are faithful we said that God is a rewarder of those who are faithful. Well, look what happens to these guys. Verse 7 and 8. Now to the half a tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given the possession in Bashan. But to the other half of it, Joshua gave a possession among their brethren on the other side of the Gordon, westward. And indeed, when Joshua sent them away to their tents, he blessed them. And spoke to them, saying, Return with much riches to your tents, with very much livestock, with silver and gold, with bronze, with iron, and very much clothing. Divide the spoils of your enemies with your brethren. They went home with booty. They went home with goodies. Because their faithfulness, gosh, rewards them from this. And what a beautiful picture here. God has allowed them to gain the plunder of which they so justly deserve. When was it last time? they gained plunder. Anybody remember? When was the last time the children of Israel gained plunder? Egypt. When they left Egypt, they were given all kinds of things, gold and all sorts of things, as they left the city, as they left Egypt. When we obey God and are faithful to Him, He rewards us. And I'm not talking about the material things. I'm talking about spiritual rewards are far better than any material award that we could ever get. Ever, ever. So in verse 9, the group leaves. So the children of Reuben and the children of Gad, the half-tribe of Manasseh, returned and departed from the children of Israel at Shiloh, which is in the land of Canaan, to go to the country of Gleed, to the land of their possession, which they have obtained, according to the word of the Lord, by the hand of Moses. So they're gone. The next part of the chapter, something significant happens. That... They almost went to war over it. They almost went to war over what happens next. So let's begin by reading this next part with verse 10. And then they came to the region of Jordan, which is in the land of Canaan. The children of Reuben and the children of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh built an altar there by the Jordan, a great, impressive altar. So before crossing over the Jordan, the soldiers of the tribe said, You know what? We got to do something here. And they made this impressive altar. Now, this altar was impressive for a couple things. It was impressive because of its size, it probably was very, very big. But it was also impressive because it was an altar. An altar. What's an altar? A place of sacrifice. An altar is a place of sacrifice. It's a place where we come and offer our sacrifices to God. And there were sacrifices back then as they were taught through the Levitical laws. There were sacrifices for the forgiveness or the remission of sins. There were sacrifices for this, sacrifices for that. They had to go through these rituals of sacrifices. Both the Israelites and these pagan nations all had altars that they used sacrifices. As Christians... We celebrate at an altar. We celebrate at an altar. It's the greatest altar ever constructed. And it held the greatest sacrifice ever given. The altar is a cross. That was where the beloved Son of God died for our sins. On the cross. The altar of sacrifice. In Galatians 6.14, the Apostle Paul declares that he will not boast in anything else except the cross of Jesus Christ. He will not boast in anything else. Let me read that to you. Galatians 6.14. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. Everything was nailed to the cross. And at the cross, a new nation was formed. A new nation of Christians. The old is behind. The new man. He says, I won't boast in anything else but the cross of Jesus Christ. I have no boasting except for the cross. Paul Hart says there's nothing of glory that can come from fame. There's nothing of glory that can come from riches. He didn't care for anything that the glory could bring him or status or power. He was a Pharisee at one time. He cared about only the glory of the cross of Jesus Christ. It's hard for us to appreciate Paul's words. It's hard for us to appreciate for people who knew about crucifixion, knew that the words cross and glory didn't go together. It was a shameful, horrible thing. It was like saying, the electric chair and glory go together. It was a means of capital punishment. They're the direct opposites. Because there was more than a mere humiliating thing. It was a shameful way of being healed. Cursed is he who hangs on a tree. It's a curse when you go to the cross. See, much more logical to glory when you're showing in the flesh instead of the cross. But Paul says no. Paul writes and thinks with heavenly logic. I boast in nothing but the cross of Christ. Each one of us must come to the cross of Jesus Christ. Each one of us must come and accept his sacrifice there. And offer our own sacrifice of ourselves there and offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, Scripture says, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. I can only be holy and acceptable through the blood of Jesus Christ. I can't come to the cross by myself. I dare not. I have to come by the blood of the Lamb, by the blood of the Lamb who died for me. I can't boast in anything that I've received from God. I can't boast about being a pastor. I can't boast about having eternal life. I can't boast about anything except what God did for me on a cross. What God did for me there. What he accomplished for the world. The world has been crucified to me. I'm no longer in the world. I walk around, but I'm above Christ. I'm a new person. The world has no meaning to me. They build an altar. They built an altar which is for sacrifice, and it scared everybody. They didn't know, what what was this altar for? What are we going to do with this altar? Are you going to come now serving foreign gods? Are you going to turn your back on our Lord? That's what they thought. Look at verses 11 and 12. Now the children of Israel heard someone say, Behold, the children of Reuben and children of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh built an altar on the frontier of the land of Canaan, in the region of the Jordan, on the children of Israel's side. Not only did they build an altar, they built it on our side. Was all, they put it on our side. And when the children of Israel heard it, the whole congregation of the children had gathered together at Shiloh to go to war against them. I love this. Joshua didn't say, did you hear what those guys did? No, they all gathered and go, we're going to war, Joshua. You want to lead us? They were all ready to go. They worried about this altar that it would be an allegiance to a foreign god. I love that song we used to sing, I will serve no foreign God, no any other treasure. You are my heart's desire, spirit without measure. Unto your name I will raise my sacrifice. What a great song that was. They were afraid. They were ready to fight because of God's truth and God's holiness. They were ready to fight. They were consecrated. They were solely looking to the Lord. I wish we could do this when someone is in error. I wish we could come to them in love. I wish we could do that. I wish the Christians in the Senate, those who call themselves Christians in the Congress, would stand up for righteousness and say, no, abortion's wrong. You can't do this. But they're not doing it. Although they're, they're not happy about it, they don't rashly take action, which is smart. They don't rashly go out and want to beat them up and throw mud at them. Look at verses 13 and 14. Then the children of Israel sent Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the priest of the children of Reuben, the children of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, into Gilead, the land of Gilead, with him ten rulers, one ruler each from the chief house of every tribe of Israel, and each one was the head of the house of his father among the divisions of Israel." So the big guys all get together, and they go out. Phineas is now the high priest. He was the son of Eleazar, but he is the high priest. So all the representatives go with them. Why did they take him? Because the high priest had the authority. The high priest had the authority. He wanted to correct their error. He wanted to protect the nation, and he wanted to drive out anything that might be dangerous. And so they brought the high priest. But he also had the heart of a wise shepherd. The high priest had a heart of a wide shepherd. Israel reacts according to God's character. They're getting ready for war, demonstrates their holiness, but also a personal confrontation that demonstrates God's love. And I think this is what we lack sometimes when we see somebody in error. We're ready to go to the battle with them, but are we ready to do it in love? We're ready to chastise them and go, ye, 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 but are we ready to do it in love? in a way that would restore, in a way that would build up. I think we lack that sometimes. Verse 15 and 16, Then they came to the children of Reuben and children of Gad, half of Manasseh, in the land of Gilead, and they spoke to them, saying, Thus says the whole congregation of the Lord, What treachery is this that you have committed against the God of Israel to turn away this day from following the Lord, in that you have built for yourselves an altar that you might rebel This day against the Lord. Wow, these are strong words. These are strong words. What treachery is this? They thought that this altar was going to be a new place for sacrifices. It was going to be a new place. They were going to have a rival in the land. They were going to compete with God's tabernacle, which was now in Shiloh, where the mercy seat was, where the Ark of the Covenant was. They weren't going to have this. In Leviticus 17, verses 8 and 9, God clearly commanded that there was only going to be one place for the sacrifices. One place for burnt offering. Only one place. We understand that this is why we cannot worship God any way we please. Or justify a manner of worship just because we like it. First and always, our worship must be pleasing to God. It must come from our heart. John said this in John 4, 24. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. We must worship him in spirit and in truth. It's so important. And they wanted to prevent this from happening. They wanted to prevent any other foreign god from coming on their soil. Interesting what happens next. In 17 and 18. Is this, is the iniquity of Peor not enough for us? from which we are not cleansed till this day, although there was a plague in the congregation of the Lord, but that you must turn away this day from following the Lord, and it shall be if you rebel against the Lord that tomorrow he will be angry with the whole nation of Israel. The iniquity of Peor. Phinehas reminds the eastern tribes that Israel has been already punished for a rebellion against God with Baal and Balak. They were punished greatly. There was unclean in the land. Israel men had sex with a Moabite woman and they gave themselves to worship to the Moabite gods. You can find all about this in Numbers 25 and 27. And because of that, God's judgment came down and he sent a plague and 24,000 people were killed. Phineas is saying, is this what you're doing? Is this what you're doing? The incident would be especially meaningful to Phineas Because if you go back and read Numbers 25 through 27, he was the one that put a stop to it. He was the one that came in and stopped it. He said, God will be angry with the whole congregation. Interesting. Interesting. Phineas knew that the sins of these tribes would affect the entire nation.
0: We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but sadly, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to tune in again, though, to Pastor Dave's continuing verse-by-verse study of the book of Joshua here on Cape Watch Radio. In the meantime, we'd like to invite you to learn more about Cape Watch Radio by visiting our website, capewatchradio.com. There you'll find an array of previous messages from Pastor Dave Schenck available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. In this busy world, Setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult, so we'd like to make that just a bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, We'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. and continue to walk through the Bible on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have small children, please feel free to give us a call to find out which service will fit your family best. Our number is 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Joshua. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this fascinating book right here on Cape Watch Radio.